Good morning and welcome to this week's edition of Building on the Rock, produced by St. Peter's Lutheran Congregation of Fond du Lac, located at 1600 South Main Street. Our congregation has had the privilege of serving our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ since 1858. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 8 or 10.30 or every Thursday night at 6.30. St. Peter's serves Jesus' little lambs with a preschool through 8th grade Lutheran elementary school and supports Winnebago Lutheran Academy. We invite you to take advantage of the many opportunities that St. Peter's provides to help you build your life on the rock-solid foundation of Jesus and his word. For more information, call us at 922-1160 or visit us at stpetersfdl.net. May God bless you as together we continue building on the rock. Good evening. Welcome as we gather tonight in God's house under the theme, Rethinking Religion, Rethinking the Worth of Worship. You hear the word worship, you probably think of what we're doing right now, coming to church, our singing, our listening, and that certainly is a big part of what worship is. But it's more than that, as we see in the lessons we look at today. So we examine both what worship is and why we do it. God's grace to you and his peace from God our Father, from our Lord, our Savior Jesus, and dear brothers and sisters. If a careful study of history demonstrates anything, it's this. The duration of what is considered wisdom and the duration of those who have power and how long they hold it is incredibly brief. Want some examples? Let's talk about eggs. Yep, eggs. In the 1950s and 60s, as those in the medical profession started to latch onto the connection between heart disease and cholesterol, also they knew that eggs had a lot of cholesterol in them, and so, it seemed logical, eggs wouldn't be good for somebody who maybe had a risk of heart disease. So maybe some of you remember, for many years, it was considered one of the most unhealthy foods that you could eat, especially, especially if you had a history or a family history of heart disease. Till the early 1990s, and careful studies led those in that same profession to discover that, well, there are different kinds of cholesterol, and actually not all of them are bad, some of them are, are good for you, and it, it's not as logical as it would seem that simply ingesting cholesterol does not mean that that same cholesterol collects as plaque in your arteries. And on top of that, actually, eggs are one of the most nutritious foods that a person could eat for a lot of other reasons. Another example. Also, up until the early 1990s, if you would have talked to your pediatrician or your OBGYN or read a, a manual or a book on parenting, almost every single one of them would have told you that when you put that baby to sleep, you put that baby on its stomach. Why? So that it wouldn't choke when it was spitting up. Again, seems logical, right? Until studies 
conclusively showed that putting babies on their stomachs to sleep was actually the number one contributing factor in sudden infant death syndrome deaths. And now, it's almost just the opposite. If, if you've been, if you have a child recently or, or expecting, you probably heard of the ABC acronym, right? How does a child supposed to sleep? A, alone, not in your bed with you. B, on their back. C, in the crib. I'll give you one more example, and this is actually a quote from Time Magazine from 1966. There you would have read, remote shopping while entirely feasible will flop. Because women like to get out of the house, like to handle the merchandise, and like to be able to change their minds. Today, Time Warner is worth about $38 million. That's respectable. Anyone want to guess what Amazon is worth? $1.7 trillion. Wisdom. It's fickle. It really doesn't last. How about power? Well, let's consider only the last hundred years or so. And what's happened in terms of world dynamics when it comes to power? The British Empire was once far and away the most powerful political and military ent entity on the base of the earth. Their, their slogan was the empire, excuse me, the sun never sets on the British Empire. Today, a second tier political and military power. The United States, about that same time, had a navy of under 15 ships. Today, some would argue the world's sole superpower or one of two. The mighty Soviet Union, I guess you got to be my age or older to really remember that. The other superpower collapsed mid to late 90s. Replaced, would seem, by China, who 50 to 60 years ago, while they had a large military as far as manpower was concerned, their actual might when you were to compare it either to the Russians or the United States that was considered laughable. Now they've risen to superpower status. Japan, Germany, once at the height of world power, now relegated to second or third tier. For some of you here, that's all happened within your lifetime. The world's power, fickle, brief. Still, consider how much stock and how much time and how much energy people put into seeking the wisdom of the present. Self-help books fly off the shelves, or I suppose they fly out of the warehouses at Amazon now. Vloggers, podcasters on YouTube garner audiences in the millions. Count some time on a newscast. How often you hear the word experts or they're talking to this or that so-called expert in their field. The rallying cry is follow the science. 
even though conclusions in the scientific world change rapidly as well. If you don't believe me, grab a scientific textbook from 1970, open it up and read. You'd laugh. But we chase after it. Think of power. In spite of that reality of history, how much time and money and energy do people put into trying to get this or that person into power or trying to get this or that person or government out of power or trying to position themselves on the stage of world power? How much time? How much energy? It's as if the history didn't happen, right? And we still believe, you know, if we just get the right person in there, if we just do it a little bit differently this next time, then, then everything will be okay. In spite of the fact that this never happened, ever. What happens when we expend that kind of time and energy into getting and latching on to this or that wisdom of the world in the present or trying to be aligned with or garnering power in the present, what happens to our relationship with God? God is relegated to the background. Life after this life is something relegated to the background, something I will get around to before I die. But in the meantime, there are pressing things in front of me. And guess what? That too is history's precedent. We see it time and time and time again, in fact, in the verses that stand in front of us this evening. That's exactly what we see that God addresses through his apostle Paul is happening already in the first century, not even a hundred years after Jesus went into heaven. Listen now as our God gives us that history lesson and that reminder of the fickleness of the world and the value of his wisdom and his power as we read from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world, through its wisdom, did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs. Greeks look for wisdom. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. God's words. A little bit of context. Paul is alive 
during the early Roman Empire, right on the heels of the mighty Greek Empire that came before it. Both empires placed a tremendously high value on wisdom. You think of philosophers like Plato and Aristotle, mighty warriors like Alexander the Great and Julius Caesar, great literary works like the Iliad and the Odyssey and the Aeneid, in cities like Athens. You could go to a place called the Areopagus and there you could be philosophy with the great minds of the city. Think of it like the Ivy League of today. And God's Apostle Paul did just that. And in the Areopagus, he shares with them the message of Christ crucified. And can you guess how most of them reacted? Paul, you're out of your mind. That's ridiculous. That's utterly foolish. And why would they react that way? Who wants to follow a hero who's slaughtered? Who's dead and, and you, can't, you can't go see him anymore because he's gone. Who wants to follow a philosophy or a god who actually had to be tortured and killed because of what I did. I'm not that bad of a person. Who wants to follow a, a God or a religion whose adherents don't seem to be prospering or thriving any more than anyone else? In fact, you could argue that they are worse off in life than before they followed Christ. Who wants to follow a philosophy or a so-called God whose adherents aren't even powerful enough to overcome their enemies? Foolishness. Foolishness. But what did they chase after instead? Philosophers that promised if you just do it this way, if you just follow this system, then we're going to have a society where everybody is taken care of and it's fair for everybody and everybody gets along. Or the religious tag, if you just do these things, if you just do enough, if you make these kinds of sacrifices, the gods will be pleased with you and, and they'll probably make your life better here and eventually you'll be one of them or you'll be with them. Just follow this philosophy, this wisdom, and power will be yours. And with that power, essentially, you can make heaven on earth. How'd that work? You know any followers of Aristotle today? Plato? What happened to that great empire? Greece, Rome, collapsed. Mercury, Jupiter, Aphrodite, the hundreds of other Greco-Roman gods. Who worships them today? No one. They're relegated to Disney movie cartoons and B-movies. 
How powerful is the leader of Italy today? Do we know who it is? Do you hear voices calling upon Greece to mediate in the great conflicts of the world today? No. Its economy is a mess. Are not these words of God completely spot on? Let me read them again. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where's the wise person? Where's the teacher of the law? Where's the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Has he not? Just look at history. These words are undeniable. And yet how many in Paul's day clung to that kind of wisdom and that kind of power, the majority. And why? I'm guessing many of them would have just said, well, that's what everybody else does. And then you'd ask, well, why? Because of the promise attached. If you just do it right, if you just set up the republic the way Plato wants it to be set up, if you just do these things and seek this oracle, and make sure you placate enough of the gods, then this will happen. Everybody else believes it. Never works. The blind leading the blind. Just as the Greek Empire collapsed, so did Rome, and in a spectacular fashion, it collapsed from within. Yet the wise and the powerful of that day ridiculed the teaching of Christ because it couldn't deliver a just, fair, and perfect society or grant the power to create one which none of their philosophies or religions could either. And they were completely blind to the fact that Christ crucified never promised to. It never promised to. You see, the problem was not that Christ crucified didn't deliver. The problem is that they were looking for the wrong thing entirely. They were looking for heaven on earth, utopia, here and now, blindly hoping that the next philosophy, the next change of leadership, the next empire would bring that fairness and those perfect living conditions and perfect harmony right here on earth. Despite the thousands of years of history that showed just the opposite, despite God's words that that never could be and why, all the way back to Adam and Eve. The first sin, which passed along the sinful condition to every other human being, and along with that, what does God do to the earth? I don't know if we articulate this very often. He curses it. We live on a cursed earth. To think that our wisdom and our power somehow is going to undo that. What foolishness. What foolishness. What God promises isn't to make heaven into earth and that's what we need is to be rescued from the problem that we all have, not to be rescued from this or that bad guy or this or that evil person in power or the person that's doing it the wrong way. We need to be rescued from our sinful selves. 
That's what we need. So long as we look to the world's wisdom, so long as we would look to Jesus for better things here, utopia here on earth, he's going to look to us just like he looked to them. And how does God describe that? Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified and here it is. A stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. I wonder, he talks about Jews and Greeks, if you did that today for the United States, what would be said of Americans, our culture and our society? What do we look for? Proof maybe? Well, just if I see a miracle like the disciples did then, then I'll follow Christ. I see a lot of this emotional validation. I just need to feel in my heart that Jesus is really there. I just need to feel his presence. I just need to feel that deep peace, that everything is okay. The results? Well, if I live the way God asks me to live, at least if I try hard, shouldn't I have a better marriage and fewer troubles with my kids and a better job and a little more security? Doesn't that make some sense? But what does Christ promise? None of those things. He doesn't promise that we'll see that type of miracle. He doesn't promise that we'll have this emotional cloud nine. He doesn't promise that our lives will necessarily be easier or have less stress. In fact, the reality is sometimes we've got more because we're Christians. Maybe at this point you're saying, well, you know, <laughs> this doesn't sound very good. Why follow him at all? What does he promise? You remember. He does promise rescue from sin. From our sinful selves. And actually he does promise a utopia where everything is perfect and fair. Not here though. In the life to come. Because he also promises a cure for death. And that is the wisdom and power of Christ crucified. The Christ who in his wisdom and power came to this earth and he took on himself everything that we needed to get rid of. Came to this earth and he gives to us everything that we need. And gives is the correct word. It's a gift. It's not something that we earn. Because that's the only way that we have certainty. Christ crucified gives that hope and certainty that none of those other things can possibly, can possibly give. The wisdom and the power of this world is fickle. It does not last. How about Christ and his church? The wisdom and power of Christ crucified in comparison. 
The Roman Empire is long gone. Christ and his church, still standing. Plato and Aristotle are dead. Their philosophies, oh, we've got bits and pieces of them left, but by and large, gone. Christ and his church live on. The British Empire is gone. Christ and his church live on. The philosophers of the Renaissance and the Enlightenment are gone. Christ and his church live on. The Soviet Union is disintegrated. Christ and his church live on. The modernist philosophers are slowly fading away. Christ and his church live on. The postmodernists, they're in their heyday. The United States of America, if not at the apex of our power, very close. But you know what? This too will pass. Not because Pastor Wigand said so. But what did God say? I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the intelligence of the intelligent. I will frustrate. They'll be gone too. But Christ and his church will live on. And one day soon, we will enjoy the perfect fairness, the perfect living, the perfect peace, the perfect health that Christ won for us, not here, but in heaven. And we have God's promise that while we are still here, Christ crucified will give us the strength to persevere and the tools to share that future with others who need to hear it. When's the last time you were called a fool because of your faith? Or you felt it? From the late night TV host, from the Christopher Hitchens and Bill Mars of the world, maybe from the professor at your school, maybe from a family member, you hear it. And you like to say we're Teflon and we've got the thick skin, yeah, but is powerful. Satan uses it pretty effectively. The next time that happens, remember what Christ said. The foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. And look back at history and see if that isn't exactly what you see. Hold fast. Don't panic their foolishness will become clear. Only a matter of time. Because Christ crucified is the only wisdom and power that does and will stand the test of time. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of Building on the Rock, produced by St. Peter's Lutheran Congregation of Fond du Lac, serving our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ since 1858. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 8 or 10.30, or every Thursday night at 6.30. 
Our address is 1600 South Main Street. St. Peter's serves Jesus Little Lambs with a preschool through 8th grade Lutheran Elementary School and supports Winnebago Lutheran Academy. We invite you to take advantage of the many opportunities that St. Peter's provides to help you build your life on the rock-solid foundation of Jesus and his word. For more information, call us at 922-1160 or visit us at stpetersfdl.net. We'll be back next week with another edition of Building on the Rock. Until then, God be with you.